Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Mark sent me a note yesterday. I said, Steve, check it out. We got another cell phone at the border case. And you recall that about a week ago, I did a, a story about a guy who was crossing the border into America. And at the border, uh, the, agents, the agents at the border from America said, uh, before you come into the country, we want to uh, see what's in your phone. And we want you to unlock your phone and let us dig around inside your phone. And so the question is, can those agents force a person to unlock their phone if they don't want to uh, and then uh, let them dig around in there? And the question is, is it a violation of the Fifth Amendment regarding self-incrimination and so on? Uh, And of course, the Fourth Amendment with respect to searches and so on. And the court in that case, which I believe was the Second Circuit, said that forcing the person to unlock the phone was a violation of their constitutional rights. However, they also admitted in their opinion that they were probably an outlier on that, and it was possibly going to have to go up higher to get a final decision. So when I first saw this case, and it's another phone case, but this one's out of the Fifth Circuit, which is Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi, I thought, what's the difference? Well, there's actually a difference here in that a person's phone got searched as they were coming in, They weren't forced to unlock it. It just got searched. And when searching it, the authorities found stuff on the phone that was illegal. And so that would be more of an argument regarding the fourth, not the fifth, because that's simply regarding the search of the phone. They weren't forced to unlock it or anything. At least that's not part of this argument. It's simply if you're crossing the border into the country and the agents at the border see your phone, start digging through it, without any interaction from you, and and they find stuff on the phone, could that be used against you in a court of law? And the Fifth Circuit, United States Court of Appeals, says, yes, that can be used against you. And by the way, most courts have ruled that way with respect to a simple search of the phone without any participation by you in unlocking the phone. So I have the opinion in my hand, I believe it was filed yesterday, uh, United States of America uh, versus Castillo, Uh, And the case uh, is just an opinion. It's a short opinion. So, the Fourth Amendment protects the right of the American people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Uh, Today, we address what searches are reasonable and unreasonable at the intersection of two established lines of Fourth Amendment precedent when the government searches a cell phone at the border. On the one hand, the Supreme Court has long held that searches made at the border are reasonable simply by virtue of the fact that they occur at the border. So in other words, they're saying, look, if you're sitting in your house in the heartland of America, your house is secure and they don't have the right to come barging in there. However, when you're crossing the border into the country, that's a different matter. And I can see the distinction because there's going to be a heightened concern of things that happen at the border. Of course, I'm going to be annoyed if they say, we want to see your cell phone. Because I got so much stuff on my cell phone that it's, 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 a, it's a slice of my life. Photographs I've taken, emails I've sent or received, texts I've sent or received, messages on Facebook I've sent or received, and of course, all of my TikTok videos. <laughs> Pursuant to the long-standing right of the sovereign to protect itself by stopping examining persons and properties crossing into this country. That case law goes back to 77, but goes back much further than that, but it gets updated from time to time. On the other hand, the court has also made clear that searches of modern devices like cell phones can be unusually 
intrusive, as I just said. And that's citing a case in 2014. This circuit, the fifth, has not yet articulated the standard that governs cell phone searches at the border. In some circuits, the governing standard depends on the extent of the search. Whether the government is conducting merely a manual search of what is immediately available on the device or a more intrusive forensic search, the circuits, that is the court circuits, are divided over whether reasonable suspicion is required for a forensic search of a cell phone. But every circuit to have addressed the issue has agreed that no individualized suspicion is required for the government to undertake a manual border search of a cell phone. And they agree with that. So they're saying if you are simply crossing the border into America, they can say, let's see your phone. And if you were to ask, have I done anything wrong? They can say no. Have I done anything suspicious? No. Do you have any probable cause to look at my phone? No. Let's see your phone. And you have to let them see it. That's what they're saying the law is. I don't agree with that. But I do agree that that is, in fact, the law. That's, that's, that's the problem of the position I'm in, is I see what the law is and I disagree with it. I don't think they should be allowed to just search my phone for no reason, especially if I'm a U.S. citizen coming into the U.S. The parties jointly stipulated the facts that govern this appeal. The defendant and two others crossed the International Bridge to Texas in a recreational vehicle that was towing a passenger car behind it around midnight. Upon reaching the port of entry into the U.S., the RV was sent to a secondary inspection station as is standard operating procedure when it comes to vehicles of that size entering the country at that time of night. The defendant and his companions told border agents they had nothing to declare. During the search of the RV, an officer found a weapon taped between two frying pans that had been wrapped in a packing foam and taped inside the oven. Officer also found ammunition for that device inside a pressure cooker that had been taped shut, as well as evidence of marijuana inside luggage. Defendant was placed in a holding cell, and he admitted to owning that contraband. It was all his. He also provided the passcode to unlock his cell phone to a special agent of Homeland Security. The agent manually scrolled through various apps. As a result, he found what he believed to be Uh, illegal images uh, in the photo section of his phone. Based on those initial findings, various agents conducted a more intrusive forensic search, and they also conducted a manual and forensic search of other devices in his possession, and those efforts yielded even additional illegal images. And um, I'm purposely tap dancing around this, Uh, but the images involve people below a certain age. Uh, Defendant was subsequently indicted on six charges involving that. He subsequently moved to suppress the evidence, and after the hearing, a district court refused to suppress it. He was then found guilty in all six counts and sentenced to 720 months of imprisonment and a life term of supervised release, but he filed an appeal of that action. District court's factual findings and a motion to suppress are reviewed for clear error. They talk about those standards and so on. The Fourth Amendment provides that the right of the people to be secure in the person's houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Warrantless searches are typically unreasonable where a search is undertaken by law enforcement officials to discover evidence of criminal wrongdoing. In the absence of a warrant, a search is reasonable only 
if it falls within a specific exception to the warrant requirement. The border search exception is a long-standing, historically recognized exception to the Fourth Amendment's general principle that a warrant be obtained. The border search exception allows officers to conduct routine inspections and searches of individuals or conveyances seeking to cross the borders without any particularized suspicion of wrongdoing. Moreover, even so-called non-routine searches need only reasonable suspicion, not the higher threshold of probable cause. So there they're dividing it up and saying, look, for them to look at your phone and scroll through a couple apps, they don't need any reason whatsoever. They can just say, we felt like doing it. But when they do the non-routine search, that is they hand it over to an IT specialist who starts going through it forensically, at that point they might need the reasonable suspicion, but even that doesn't require probable cause. And as you can imagine, reasonable suspicion, they can just say, oh, I was looking at the guy's phone. He started to act nervous, started shaking. He, 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 he started, you know, getting jittery. Uh, so at that point, um, I was suspicious and it was reasonable. So for border searches, both routine and not, no case has required a warrant. So this is one of those rare occasions that I pointed out to you where somebody might have had time to go get a warrant. They don't need to. They don't need to. The scope of a search conducted under an exception to the warrant requirement must be commensurate with its purposes. The border search exception reflects the long-standing right of the sovereign, that's the country, to protect itself by stopping and examining persons and property crossing into this country. The government's interest in preventing the entry of unwanted persons and effects is at its zenith at an international border, and has been recognized since the beginning of our government. Historically, such broad powers have been necessary to prevent smuggling and to prevent prohibited articles from entry. Accordingly, courts have allowed a variety of border searches without requiring either a warrant or reasonable suspicion, and they just cite case after case after case going all the way through, and many of them are Supreme Court cases, which means that they are binding precedent on this circuit. To be sure... Modern cell phones are fundamentally distinct from other personal items. As the Supreme Court observed in a previous case, many of these devices are in fact mini computers that also happen to have the capacity to be used as telephones. One of the most notable distinguishing features of modern cell phones is their immense storage capacity. Before cell phones, the search of a person was limited by physical realities and tended as a general matter to constitute only a narrow intrusion of privacy. But today... The possible intrusion on privacy is not physically limited in the same way. Think about this. 40 years ago, you're crossing the border coming into the country, and they decide to search you. They get your wallet. And I remember a time when, you know, even that would upset me because of the stuff you might find in my wallet. It's not that I've got stuff in there that's illegal or dangerous. It's just I got a lot of personal stuff in my wallet. But on the other hand, they dig through my wallet. Okay, no big deal. But your cell phone? That's got a lot of stuff on it. And there's actually one other thing that I think they've missed because I did not see this referenced in the opinion. And that is that the cell phone has the ability to retrieve things that are not on the cell phone by a person holding the cell phone. So, for instance, a person could go into an app on a cell phone where it accesses things that are stored elsewhere. So let's suppose that you take a lot of photographs and you upload them to the cloud, and then you delete them from your phone. 
someone gets a hold of your phone, they do not have those photographs yet. But if your app is on your phone, they can access them. So now it's not just that they're searching your phone, they're searching other parts of your life that are accessible by that phone. And keep in mind, for instance, that if you've got any of the tracking uh, apps on there, they can also look at the phone and see where you've been. And depending on how far back that tracking app goes, they can see where you've been for quite some time. So there's more information on there. And so that's the only thing I'd really like to see addressed here. And I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the road, somebody raises that point and says, okay, you looked at my phone and my phone contains pictures that I took with the phone. Got no problem with that. I took pictures. So what? But they then use the phone to access things that are not in the phone directly, but the phone is simply a portal to them. And in that instance, they're not looking at something I'm going to go bringing into the country. I'm not. And that, to me, is a distinction that should be looked at. But again, like I said, they didn't address it here, but that's the thing I've always wondered about. So here the court says all we need to decide this case is to adopt the consensus view of our sister circuits and hold that the government can conduct manual cell phone searches at the border without individualized suspicion. And so search being valid, the evidence gets in, the man's conviction will stand. So we see no reason to disagree. Accordingly, we hold that no reasonable suspicion is necessary to conduct the sort of routine manual cell phone search at the border that occurred here. We therefore affirm the man's conviction. So this does mean you got to think long and hard about what you um, have on your phone before you leave the country and then come back into the country with it. I also wonder about going to other countries because all bets are off because obviously traveling to Canada or to Mexico, your constitutional rights leave you as you cross the border. And so I've never really looked into that recently and I probably should to see like what happens if you're crossing into, I don't know, Switzerland from France. Are they likely to take a look at your phone? But it is disturbing because of the amount of stuff that you have on your phone and the amount of stuff that can be accessed through your phone. So the question really becomes, you know, again, what do you do if you're going to go travel internationally and you're concerned about this? And yes, it also does apply to other electronic devices. So iPads, laptops, things of that nature, Palm Pilots. Um, (laughs) Any other electronic device you have is subject to the exact same scrutiny because the same logic would apply. So, Mark, thanks for sending it. It's a brand new case. The ink is still wet, as they say. United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit uh, decided and filed yesterday U.S. versus uh, Castillo. There you go. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. There is no such thing as fun for the whole family.